I like the sound, but at the end of the day, it's it's not quite what I wanted. My expectations were through the roof, and I think it there was still a letdown. I think because it wasn't a total like evolution for her, and I just wanted more. Ted Tyler joined live in studio by my good friend and partner in radio, Joel Sam. Ted, are we ever not going to be live? No, we're always going to be live, Joel. <laughs> we're going to be live to somebody. Yeah, live to ourselves. That's live right. Live to ourselves. It's happening. And yeah, we're in beautiful, beautiful North Bryan and we're just living life. And man, I've really enjoyed the last two episodes we've done, Joel, because in the green room experience, our interns have prepared exquisite dining mm-hmm. and beverage options. Mm-hmm. Tonight, we feasted on Chipotle. Yes. Chipotle, thank you for sponsoring this episode. We expect our check in the mail anytime now. We're patiently waiting. Yeah, we're patiently waiting. And so, yeah, I, I just I enjoy being you know, a little whining and dining before we you know, before we make radio. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing, uh, Taylor Swift. I Taylor never, Swift. I never thought I would say that sentence. You Paul. know, prior to two weeks ago, Ted, what was your impression of Taylor Swift? Prior to two weeks ago, what was my impression? Um, I used to, I've used a couple of her songs for performances that I've done. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Uh, okay, so listeners, this is my probably my most intimate experience with Taylor Swift's music was my senior year of college at the University of Arkansas, Whooping Suey. Some friends and I decided that we were going to enter a talent show. Mm-hmm. So we entered this talent show, and my friend Kevin, I don't think he listens, but shout out to Kevin. Well, he should listen. He should listen. He should listen. I'll I'll send it to him. I'll tell him I name dropped him a little bit. <laughs> but Kevin is a really talented ukulele player. Fun fact: I once saw Kevin break his arm. You did see Kevin break his arm once. That was that was a pretty traumatic. That's event. actually my only interaction with Kevin was that day. Yeah, that, I guess that would have only been your interaction at the lake day. <laughs> the, the, when we really, well, not when we met, but when we when there was a chance that we were going to continue being friends with the lake house. But anyway, so my friend Kevin, he approaches me and says, Hey Ted, I want to do this talent show. Let's enter. I said, okay. And he wanted to do an acoustic covering of Taylor Swift's song. Shake it off. My favorite song. Possibly. I think, I think it's one of the better ones. It's, it's Mm -hmm. a good one for sure. So, so I said, okay, Kevin, let's do this. So two of our other friends, there were four of us, we got together and we knew we wanted to do performance. Kevin was going to sing and my friends, Josh and Adam and I were going to be his backup dancers. Mm-hmm. We composed a very easy, basic dance routine to this song. And we decided we wanted it to be luau themed. So we bought grass skirts. And we brought we bought uh, coconut bras, mm-hmm. and we. What cup size are you? I don't know. I don't remember. It was just like the standard size. I don't yeah. know. Whatever the, the like, what percent ripeness of the coconut? What percent ripeness? Maybe I don't remember. <laughs> that was so long ago. <laughs> that was so long ago. Uh, but I do remember when it was our turn to go. So this talent show is at somebody's house, and at the very end of the night we were the last act to go the act before us had been this very emotional spoken word performance mm-hmm. someone was sharing about their you know recovery from trauma oh no and then the four of us walk out in grass skirts and coconut bras and do this dance routine to shake it off yes. and people were horrified i mean so good. i'm talking about so horrified that they didn't even think to take out phones and record. One person recorded. Okay, good. 
But we don't know what happened to the recording. Wow. We're not sure where it is or where that person is, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But that's before two weeks ago. That was my, that was the most time I'd spent with Taylor Swift, was listening to Shake It Off probably 200 times to practice this dance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my experience with T Swift. You know, I do, um, this is a very random detail, but the first day we ever met, Shake It Off was the song that beckoned me to the dance floor uncontrollably. Like anytime Shake It Off plays and there's a dance floor nearby. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember you being on that dance floor. In fact, I've never seen your dance. I don't think. Yeah, but um, not really. yeah, I actually distinctly remember listening to Shake It Off the day we met. So there's another there's another magical moment there. Taylor just bringing us together. Taylor bringing us together. But it's not two weeks ago. It is. is no, it? that was not two weeks ago. That was two a week ago. ago. Listeners, unless you've been living under a rock, Taylor Swift recently released a new album titled folklore surprise rob when i heard about it i immediately texted ted i texted ted first out of anyone now if you'd been listening to ted's backstory you would think joel why would you text ted he's probably one of the last people you would text about a taylor swift drop even though y'all are such close friends ted why did i reach out to you and no one else because there's nothing irrational about my love for the national (laughs) exactly oh that's beautiful that's that's poetic i love that so the reason i just mentioned that is because it was so her album was produced by one of the members of my favorite band the national and if i were to describe my love for the national and just how much i love them i would just encourage people hey find someone that talks about you the way ted talks about the national amen that would be that would be how you know you've you've found someone that that enjoys you. But Aaron Dessner, who's the pianist and he's a guitar player for the National, he helped produce, I believe, eleven of the sixteen songs on the album. And it was really funny. Right before Joel had texted me, I had seen a post on the National's Instagram page with something about Taylor Swift, and I just like went through it. <laughs> I didn't really, I, I didn't, I did not, not knowing this, not knowing that, oh, that's why they're, that's why they're talking about Taylor Swift. Cause one of, one of our members produced it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was, I was pretty shocked to get mm-hmm. that text from Joel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually, right after I sent it, I was like, this doesn't even sound real. I need to fact check this, but I did the fact check and I was like, okay, good. I didn't just accidentally lure Ted into a, a false narrative. That would have been really sad if I, that would have been really heartbreaking, actually. Probably. That would have been heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That would have been heartbreaking. That would like a bait and switch. But I, I did a little digging okay. in, in, the last, in the last two weeks, and I found out that apparently this project had been planned for years. Years, really? I didn't yeah. know it was that long. Yeah, for a long time. To do this kind of indie, well, we, we, we'll, we'll talk about, was it really an indie album? But to do this sort of record, I don't, I'm quite, you know, they haven't discussed Yet was it Aaron Dessner she wanted to work with? But Taylor is a big fan of mm. the National. On some of her Spotify playlists, she has songs from the National on her on her playlist, and she's mentioned the National a couple of times in, in interviews. So it, it it ended up actually being something that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think from the National's side, their last album, "I'm Easy to Find." Featured a lot of guest female vocalists. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not surprised that because of that, they've, it's, it really seems like they're in a place where they're looking to collaborate a lot more with, with female artists. Mm-hmm. And, and Taylor's a, you know, preeminently famous and, you know, she's very talented too. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's one of those things that makes sense. And she's, she's a gifted storyteller. And yeah. I think for the national, why, one reason I really enjoy their music is they're very good at telling stories. And so in some ways, there's maybe more commonality than I thought. But my first reaction was just shock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I saw it, granted, I was definitely not as shocked as you were because I'm not as familiar with with Aaron. Um, I did think it was a significant departure from her previous work, and I was very excited um, because 
listeners, if you know me, I love alt rock and I love um, the instrumentation that is involved there. When it comes to music, Ted, I'm going to ask you what your opinion is on this in a second. When it comes to music, I rank the elements of a song in the following order. Number one, instrumentation. Number two, lyrics. Number three, melody. Number four, vocals. So Ted, how would you rank those four things? I would go lyrics, melody, vocals, instrumentation. Instrumentation last. And I don't get me wrong, I still really enjoy good instrumentation. Right. The National and a lot of bands that I like that are on the same record label, 4AD, have they're known for featuring very com very complex instrumentation and so i like all those things but to me it's it's you know it's the icing on on top of the on the cake i i don't have to have it but when it's there it's a really good element but i have to have good lyrics and i really need a good melody and when the vocals are crisp and clear or unique as far as sound that's of course like a great thing but I really do have to have good lyrics. Ted, 10 minutes ago, you told me you only knew 3% of the lyrics to folklore. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I feel like that doesn't line up. That's true. Well, here's the thing. So I enjoy, I enjoy good lyrics, but I want to, I want to listen to a song a lot of times bef- and try and figure out the lyrics on my own mm. and figure out, Okay, what does what's the what's the story being told or what's my interpretation of the story being told? How does that match with the sounds that I'm hearing? How does it match with the tone and the instruments? And then eventually, if I can't figure it out or if there's something I'm confused at, I will look up the lyrics and see, mm-hmm. okay, like what what are the actual lyrics? Did I get something wrong? Was I understanding something? incorrectly or was i maybe spot on Mm -hmm. so even though i it does sound a little contradictory but i want to i want to do my best to interpret the story without help first if that makes sense yeah that makes sense i just know that i um one i can't listen to the same song more than four times in the same week without getting bored um, that's an exaggeration, but it's kind of true. And two, I'm a really poor auditory processor. So your strategy would not work for me. Usually if I don't get the lyrics on the first or second try somewhat intuitively, then I have to like look them up and read them to know what the heck is going on at all. You know, Joel, you probably could not relate to this, but yesterday I listened to the same song for five hours in a row. No, just no. on repeat. Stop. Just on repeat. Just five oh. hours in a row as I was working on, as I was doing research. How? If it's a really good song, I can do it, man. I just, I just it oh. for me, it's it's almost because there's like no change. It's almost like it's not distracting at a point. It just becomes it just as loot. Wow. And and I really enjoy it. There's I I enter a very scary situation sometimes where if there's a song I really like, like a, a song that I hear for the first time and I'm like, whoa, I really like this song. I get really scared because I had to be really careful to throttle how often I listen to it, because if I listen to it too much, I'll burn out. And so I have to like be like, OK, I'm going to listen to it like maybe twice a day, but no more. And maybe I have to skip a day every couple days. But it happened recently, a few months ago. I think I told you about that band Gable Price that I was like really obsessed with. I was like listening to one of their singles, like danger. I got dangerously close to hating it because I was listening like a couple times a day. For me, the more I listen to a song, the more I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true over time for me. But in a short time period, it's oh, it's hard. I couldn't I couldn't do the back to back thing. I almost never play the same song back to back. If I hear the same song twice, I get annoyed. Joel, can I tell you a horror story? Oh, gosh. The National once got asked to 
to perform an art exhibition mm-hmm. at the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art. There's an artist from Iceland and the the art was that the national would play their song sorrow for six hours no on repeat they played it 105 times oh my gosh that's incredible i and recently because of the pandemic many artists i'm sure some of you know our listeners favorite artists have been you know maybe releasing some videos on youtube and recently the national re-released the video from that and i tuned in for about an hour just like watching them do it. And it's, it was actually pretty, it was, it was very interesting because, you know, they get, they're getting really tired because one, it's six hours. Yeah, it's six hours. Two, it's the same song. But amazingly, there was only out of the 105 times, the drummer only took a break for one of the songs. And one of the guitarists took a break for one. And then Matt, who's the singer, there was just one time he couldn't get through the lyrics. He just, his voice gave out. And so the, they just kind of carried. But it was... That's wild. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. And I really liked that. I would have wanted to go and watch that in New York. I would have wanted to stay for the whole six hours. Oh, that's amazing. Ted, you have somehow tricked me into making this an episode about the national that was the plot the whole time you can't do that we're here to talk about taylor man fine fine okay let's talk about taylor what were your first thoughts about folklore what were my first thoughts well after i found out about the connection with the national i i was very very curious Mm -hmm. very curious because aaron in addition to being a talented musician is a first-rate producer and so I was, I was wondering, okay, what, what kind of influence will he have on her sound? Like what level is Taylor willing to try something new? Mm-hmm. So that was my big question. I've listened to Folklore probably six times through. I've probably listened, my, I've probably listened to Exile and Mirrorball probably about 20 times each. Mm. I think those are my two favorite singles from the, from the record. But for me, my initial thoughts about folklore are it's very different from other things that Taylor has done, first of all, because it has a it has an album feel. Right. From start to finish, there's a there's similarities in the music. A lot of that I think is with the piano, the slower rhythms the more the minor keys just it, it's very it's very scaled back toned down mm-hmm. and it it has the feel of of an indie record mm-hmm. and i think people when they look back on whatever folklore whatever its legacy ends up being i think they'll refer to it like i just did folklore they won't mm. refer to it as oh that's the album with exile and the one and cardigan i think it'll just be mm-hmm. referred to as folklore right and so I think my first reaction is, okay, this is an album. This isn't just a set of songs she put together. Right. There's, I think it also did a good job putting her, Taylor's very gifted at telling stories. Mm-hmm. I don't really always like the stories she tells, but she has a good, she has an ability to almost make you feel like you're experiencing the situation that she's experiencing or you're in the room or it draws back on maybe an, a similar experience you've, that you've had in your own life. Mm-hmm. And so she, she, she brings that in and it, it makes her sound very mature. Right. As far as the sound goes. And I think because Taylor's such a gifted vocalist, I think you do get to see a lot of different even though it's all under one theme, I think she shows some of her, she shows, she shows, I think, depth in what she can do vocally. And I think reinforces, yeah, just that she's a very gifted artist. She's not mm. like Taylor didn't just blow up, I think, because of her fans. Like she's truly gifted mm-hmm. at music yeah, and writing. And so those are my, those are my initial thoughts as I sat and listened to it. And yeah, I can, I can unpack 
sure a little bit more but i'd love to hear what she thought about it joel yeah so i think <clears throat> i can present maybe two angles to this okay if i had not read anything about the album prior to listening to it i would have been very pleasantly surprised now in contrast to ted we didn't establish this context earlier i'm actually a pretty big taylor fan um any album post fearless or post speak now i forget which what the order between those two is anyway red 1989 um reputation lover i love those four albums and i actually listen to them regularly um less like you were saying with maybe like a holistic album experience but sometimes i do actually i would say that i, I definitely do listen to the albums all the way through pretty regularly with taylor because i do think that even though folklore is the complete manifestation of the album feel i think each of her albums does have a feel and one of taylor's skills has been transcending or crossing genres with different albums which i think is is done exceptionally well um whether or not you like those genres that's a different question sure um so for me i'm i'm a big taylor fan and what Taylor's music means to me is it expresses an aspect of myself that isn't expressed in in the music I usually listen to, which is most like alt rock or folk or um, and lyrically less about relationships and more about just life and um, existential thoughts and having fun and which are, I know are opposites. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, we can have fun as we're having existential. Right, thoughts. right, right, right. Yeah. Listeners, I have a playlist called Existential Entropy. If you ever want to really? question. Yeah, I haven't told you about this. No. Oh, yeah. If you ever want to question like the meaning of life and you want to maybe question everything you thought you believed about your existence, listen to Existential Entropy. Um, Who are some of the artists on this oh, list? Oh, baby. We've got Gunger. We've got okay. Bird Talker. We've got King's Kaleidoscope. We've got, uh, there's definitely, there's a song by Cake actually on there. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's called, uh, oh, um, I forget. But anyway, it's it's like a one word song. Ah, what's, I, I lost it, but I'll think of it later. Anyway, it's it's got, a, it's pretty eclectic, but, a, but the common theme is, it's called Thrills. Thrills, Thrills by Cake. Thrills mm -hmm. by Cake. Uh, the common theme is really thinking about life at like a really deep level. Like these are like the deepest um songs anyway that's a that's a side note none of taylor's songs are on that playlist and i'd be very surprised yet. if it got yet. to that point yet um any anyway that's the kind of music i listen to right and most of the time when i'm not existential it's just like feel good alt rock you know uh, in contrast to feel bad alt rock which is how i describe ted's taste in music yes feel bad alt rock that's what i, I love <laughs> or that. feel that's sad good. alt rock yeah feel sad feel sad <laughs> yeah listeners one time there was a time not that long ago where Joel was feeling a little bit sad. So I'm like, you know what? I'll help Joel enjoy his sadness by sending a playlist of some sad music. And Joel's like, okay, sure. He sent it to me. I sent it to him about 10 minutes later. He said, bro, I can't do this. This is too sad. <laughs> and I wanted to be sad, but it was too much. It was too much. And that, and listeners, mom, if you're listening, I promise I'm okay. I just enjoy <laughs> sad music. But Joel... Not as much. Yeah. So I got distracted, right? Yeah. Anyway, I I like feel good, upbeat, you know, complicated instrumentation, complicated lyrics. That's usually the things that I go for when I listen to music. So if I hadn't done any research, I would have been pleasantly surprised by the album because I'm like, oh, this is Taylor, but it's different. And it's a new angle. And you get to explore this angle and think about think about it lyrically. And I, I enjoy the natural instrumentation in contrast to pop instrumentation which is often very synthetic or overproduced so i really like the instruments that are used what i what i was disappointed by because i was like oh the national is going to be part of it it's going to have more of a rock feel that was kind of something that i was really hoping for um that was definitely not delivered um and this was just an expectation that i set because i was like oh a bunch of like you know middle-aged rock stars yeah the sad dads the sad dads uh we got a lot of the sad but not enough of the of the rock yeah and i was a little disappointed i i mean here's the thing ted right we were talking about the holistic nature of the album which is a good thing unless 
in my opinion, unless all of the songs have the same volume level Mm. or the same tempo, it becomes too monotonous. And I think that is my biggest challenge with folklore is that all the songs sound the same to me. And yes, they're cohesive. Yes, they're thematic. And I acknowledge that there are differences, but at a grand scale, they sound very similar. And none of them got me excited. Ted, when I listen to Taylor, I want to get excited. Even if it's a song about a breakup, I want to dance to that breakup. In fact, Taylor uh, definitely rocks my breakup playlist pretty well. And so, I mean, that's that's my ideal breakup playlist is, is one that I can dance to. So you probably won't. If you like heard Cardigan at a wedding, it'd probably be pretty awkward to dance to on the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course, it's so awkward. <laughs> I agree. That's fair. That's fair because I think even even with all the influence from the national, even though they, you know, they have moved a lot more towards music that is a little bit less rockish and a little bit more electronic. Even on those, even on the, their last two albums where they've made that change, there's always been a couple like very like rock type songs. And I think, yeah, I think your 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 observation is interesting to me because I did keep waiting for, okay, is she going to bring the, te- when she's going to bring the tempo back up, right. it's probably going to happen at the middle of the album. And I got to the middle and it wasn't there. I'm like, well, maybe she's sitting it for the grand finale. And yeah, you're right. It wasn't really there. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there you know there could have been some places, and so that was I think a big surprise for me is that yeah she didn't have any kind of rock, and I'm curious like um you know just what would have the conversation have been right. was she wanting to do some rock and you know producers told her no, did producers want to do rock and she just said no I mean was it just agreed upon. Well, I mean, just because it's rock doesn't mean it has the feel that I'm looking for. Mm. For example, The National. I mean, I listen to The National regularly to try and connect to Ted. And it's hard for me to really get into it because, I don't know, Ted, do you know what it is? I think, it's, I think it has to do with the vocal tone and the tempo. Mm. But instrumentation-wise, it's there. Those are the instruments I like. Especially because they have a brass section. They do have a brass section. Their, their brass section was on this album, too. Yeah. Which is which is pretty fun and exciting, uh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah the the lack of of upbeatness was was pretty surprising. You and I also had a had another conversation about some of the lyrical themes. So for me, listeners, I one of my biggest critiques of Taylor said a lot of nice things about her, but a big critique I have is. She's just very immature mm. and she explores breakups, which I think are a mature topic with a lot of immaturity. Mm. What really bothers me about Taylor is she only, she's really trying to blame other people, be very vindicative for why things didn't work. And maybe sometimes like that's, you know, I don't know how all her relationships ended. Maybe she was wronged and should have been angry sometimes, but you know, Taylor, you and those 20 different guys you dated, they all have something in common. They dated you and it didn't work out. Oof. I think I would have appreciated in this album where she has a much more mature sound. If she could have added some more depth. Yeah. But I think really what this album does is folklore just gave a mature sound to her immaturity Mm. in general. So, Ted, I've hinted at this earlier in prior conversations. This is where I want to push back a little bit. Because even though I am critical of the tone and the instrumentation of the album and the sound. For example, I was very disappointed not to put Taylor on my usual Taylor playlists. Like I mentioned, the breakup playlist. I mean, that's one. But really, I was looking forward to Chlorine, my summertime playlist. Um, Saccharin, my pop playlist. All of the songs that I liked on this album ended up on a warm blanket on a rainy day, which is my sad, soft music playlist. It's the playlist that I only use when I'm trying to take a nap. And Folklore, it 
it put me to sleep. But it was a very pleasant way to go to sleep. It is my prefer, it's my preferred album to fall asleep to. I took a folklore nap just two days ago and it was awesome. So it's a tool in the quiver of music and all the things that music can accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. It has a purpose. Uh, you know, so I complain about the instrumentation and the tone of the album. However, I think that Ted's grand indictment of the lyrical depth of the album, I think there's more to it. I, I think that lyrically, I enjoyed the themes in folklore perhaps more than other albums. I, it will take a long time for me to fully have a position on that. But for example, let me, let me, let me give you an example. So um the trilogy ted do you know about the trilogy i know betty and then there's two is cardigan like in Mm -hmm. the what's the third song august august okay yeah so betty cardigan and august yeah yeah and so i think this is important because creating songs that are connected like in in this instance they have really the same plot the same story told from three perspectives and they're distributed across the album. They're not adjacent to one another and the connections between them are subtle. It takes almost a good listener to connect it or someone who just saw it online, which is probably most people. But um, for instance, uh, the end of Betty, I believe says the word cardigan once. Um, and that's like the mental trigger to say, Hey, I should listen to cardigan again and like process that through the lens of Betty. And so listeners, if you're not aware, I'm going to spoil it for you. Um, cardigan, August and Betty are all about a love triangle. That's told from the three members of the triangle. So cardigan is told from the perspective of Betty, the woman whose boyfriend cheats on her. Um, August is told from the perspective of the boyfriend, James, and Betty is told from the perspective of the other girl, which I don't know if she has a name. And also I could be wrong about some of this. This is like my understanding of what's going on. Again, like I said earlier, I'm not a great auditory processor and I totally could have this wrong, but I mean, for instance, the whole concept of the cardigan, I mean, what is it? It's a girl who feels that her boyfriend is putting her on and taking her off like a cardigan. He is temporarily engaging in a relationship with her, but he's not committing because he's divesting energy and interest towards other women. And I think there's depth to that. And it's, it's written in a way that's, that's good. It's written in a way that doesn't just tell you the story. It uses the analogy of the cardigan. It uses some wordplay and some some reflective lyricism to kind of make the storytelling more subtle. And then Betty, um, which is a song of the girl who has betrayed her friend by um, essentially borrowing her boyfriend for a summer fling. Um, it's a song of apology. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Wow, wow, wow. Let me let me back up. I misspoke. Betty is told from the perspective of the guy. August is told from the perspective okay. of the girl. I'm so sorry, listeners. That uh, is a mistake that I made because I accidentally told you my first interpretation until I listened to it a little more and processed a little more. Sorry. Betty's told from the perspective of the guy who's apologetic mm. for cheating on his girlfriend. And so there's the, the, scene, the context of the party. There's um, the context of just our, you know, are we going to kiss again or are you gonna blow me off there's there's i think the apologetic nature was what stuck out to me because like you said a taylor in general likes placing blame and there's generally not a lot of apologizing or remorse in her lyricism and i haven't listened to august quite enough to really process that so i'm not gonna stick my foot in my mouth and um butcher that but anyway those are some high level observations. I'm not a music critic. I'm not a great listener. I all of that could have been wrong. Ted, what are your thoughts? I'll have to go back and 
listened to them as a trilogy. I didn't really know that until I mean we had briefly talked about it a couple of days ago and we were when we decided we wanted to do this episode. But I haven't I'd like I'd love to sit down and listen to those three. If those if that's true, then I think that is a that is a step in exploring more mature content. But I think at the same time too, I would also appreciate if you know she could just explore and channel emotions into just like other things in life besides just breakups. Okay, what about Mirrorball? What about it? I my understanding is that Mirrorball is about chasing dreams or chasing success, something like that. Again, I haven't really analyzed that one, so yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know. I I like the sound of it and I could maybe see it being um something. Maybe we can have our intern pull up the, the lyrics for us so we can uh we can analyze it. All right, Ted. So I'm gonna read some lyrics from Mirabal for okay, you. Let's do and it. And you're gonna give me your thoughts. Get you're gonna it. give okay. me your analysis. Okay. Again, I've heard the song, but I haven't really thought about this either. So I want you to know I'm a mirror ball. I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. I'll get you out on the floor, shimmering beautiful, and when I break, it is in a million pieces. Hush when no one is around, my dear. You'll find me on my tallest tiptoes, spinning in my highest heels, love, shining just for you. Hush, I know they said the end is near, but I'm still on my tallest tiptoes, spinning in my highest heels, love, shining just for you. I want you to know I'm a mirror ball. I can change everything about me to fit in. You're not like the regulars, the masquerade revelers, drunk as they watch my shattered edges glisten. And then the bridge says, And they called off the circus, burned the disco down, when they sent home the horses and the rodeo clowns. I'm still on that tightrope. I'm still trying everything to get you laughing at me. And I'm still a believer, but I don't know why. I've never been a natural. All I do is try, try, try. I'm still on that trapeze. I'm still trying everything to keep you looking at me. All right, Ted, what are your thoughts? Yes, my first thought is, is the mirror ball a person or is it an object? Or maybe the third possibility is, is it like a memory, like a conversation that is, and, and you know, I, I saw the references, you know, to being on a, uh, you know, to being on a tightrope and, and walking but I think for me, like the first observation I have is, is the mirror ball abstract as a concept? Is it representative of a person or is it some kind of object? So you say you're not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, th- I think I can see the different. I can see the theme mm-hmm. of, yeah, trying to. Some self-actualization. Right. I can help you figure out who you are. But I'm a little unclear, or maybe not unclear. I'm just undecided on the nature of the mirror ball being a person or an object or an idea. Well, Ted, you know me. You know I love to jump to conclusions. So I think I have the answer. I think I know what it is. Enlighten me. Um, Let me put it this way. I think mirror ball is... An ode to the soul of an Enneagram 3. Listeners, if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, that's a... Just go to a coffee shop. Yeah, just go to a coffee shop. Someone will be talking about it. Listen to the 20-year-olds talk and... There's literally so many other podcasts that if you haven't listened to already, someone will have attempted to force you to listen to. Uh, We're not here sponsored by the Enneagram. This is just a vehicle for us to have this conversation. Um, I think it's an ode to the Enneagram 3. Because, think about this, right? The mirror ball is the self. It's, in this case, it's Taylor, um, who I think is an Enneagram 3 with a very strong four wing. And she is reflecting to her observers what they want from her. Mm. So the, um, the achiever or the chameleon is a personality type that is always you know, to some level, subconsciously, maybe consciously concerned with molding themselves into the version that other people or other situations want in order to achieve what they desire. 
Um, and there, and, you know, some would say that the end goal is to fulfill a deep longing within the self, a longing for acceptance or a longing for success. And I think the song Mirrorball is really a self-reflective and kind of like you said, self-actualized, um, observation of that tendency. Mm. And I think something that's important here is that I think if you think of the tone of the song, she's not necessarily happy about being the mirror ball. I think Mm. she's somewhat disappointed. She's making observations about her personality, about her desire to impress her desire to be the right person for any situation. And she knows that she can conform and say the right things to the right people to get what she wants, but she doesn't enjoy it. She doesn't, there's an aspect of when you are always trying to be someone else, you can never be yourself. And I think that's what Mirrorball is hinting at. There's a sense of being on the type tightrope, on the trapeze, putting on the performance. But really, the the implicit conclusion is that that performance is not enjoyable. Mm. And I think it fits with the thematic tone of the of the album as a whole in sadness, regret, remorse, maybe, maybe a self-reflection. So I don't know, Ted, you think, still think the lyrics are shallow? <sighs> maybe they're not as shallow as I thought <laughs> overall. Um, yeah, maybe, okay. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll concede this. It's maybe a little bit more of a step towards something mature mm-hmm. than I'd first thought. I'm yeah. willing to, I'm willing to yield that that to you. <laughs> that was just one case study. Just one case study, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I can see it. And I think I think what's interesting though is that the mirror ball is, you know, your hypothesis that it's herself and oh, that yeah. she's she's having to change who she is to please, you know, in my mind I'm thinking you know, fans, manager, mm-hmm. maybe a record label, other celebrities, you know, just maybe people that are even benefiting from her life. And it makes me even think too, just about, you know, how old, do you remember how old she was when she became, when she first started like hitting on 16, the radio? Yeah, she was like really that. young. Mm-hmm. You know, I always wonder about artists who at such a young age start becoming famous. They don't really have an opportunity to like independently grow up without just observation like what are you doing mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and i wonder if possibly if if this song is just lamenting that yep i think it's a lament i really do think it is um but you have to read between the lines to really yeah. observe it i don't think she'll ever explicitly say that she is lamenting it's implied and i think that's part of the part of that personality type is kind of an unwillingness to admit that you Mm. don't want to constantly be performing or adapting or achieving. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that Mm -hmm. because I wonder, you know, I would love to, to sit down with some Taylor Swift super fans Mm -hmm. and discuss their thoughts on the album. Right. Right. Do they like everything she does because it's just her? Mm. Do they like it because of the sound that she has her voice or do they like it because you know maybe a theme that sounds narcissistic or you know too focused on herself to me actually you know maybe to them it doesn't feel mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. and it just captures maybe a lot of anger and you know just a lot of fierceness and that she's just feels comfortable going unhinged and and being very like <laughs> blunt and, and critical yeah so yeah, I, you know, I, I, it'd be it would be worthwhile to to have a conversation with them. Yeah. About it, Ted. I think you have a favorite song on the album. I don't, but I think you do. Yeah, I do. I really, I do like Exile. All right, let's talk about it. Yeah, I enjoyed so Exile. I believe it's the fourth track on the album, and I like it because it has Justin Vernon um, from from Bon Iver. I can I can I make a confession? Okay. I always forget that his name isn't Bony Bear. Uh, I just I and that's okay. I, I uh, I'm a child. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Not a big deal. I won't tell him, you know. Hopefully listeners, if you listen to 
him and that doesn't bother you either um but yeah so i i liked this i liked this song because i think i mean he's the king of cool indie sad music i would say yeah he's the king and so this this was very in a way this felt very campy to me to hear him uh, this is why it feels campy not that because i don't think taylor has maybe collaborated with him very much before if at any but as an indie out you know for this album to have such an indie feel to all, all of a sudden like his voice pop up She's like, yeah, there's something, there's just something about this that feels very much in my mind. Taylor Swift was like, okay, indie fans, you guys made it so long. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you Justin <laughs> yeah. and you can hear him do his, you know, do his, his sad boy thing. And so I, I thought that was a really good choice um, to have him come in. But I think I will admit, I was surprised it took so long to hear Taylor. Like it, it sounded mm, like a mm-hmm. Bon Iver song. Right, it, right. At right. first, it's like, is Taylor going to sing on this song? Yeah. So that was, I think, one of the, the things that shocked me. But I think her, I think when she came into this song around, yeah, it was verse two. Um, yeah, she ended up doing really well. And I thought right. they had a, they were a good collaboration. Right. Like when this- In when, contrast to the- ridiculousness of Endgame featuring Ed Sheeran and Future. Not that that's a bad song, just that it's a very random collaboration between those three. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is random. And maybe like, maybe in a way, Justin Vernon is like the Taylor Swift of indie music in that you know, his, his super fans just like love everything he does. He's very, he's, he's probably some kind of Enneagram for maybe like wing three or something. He's so I think like every indie rocker and in Enneagram four. Maybe, three. maybe, maybe. Cause they want to be <laughs> special. Not, and it's not narrowing unique. it down. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Whatever. All right. We're in a situation, Ted. This is what I call the, uh, the princess bride situation where, Indie, you keep using that word. Okay. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> what does indie mean to you, Ted? So it has different meanings for different people. Some yeah. people go by the technical definition of is the label released independently? That's me. Okay. I'm Joel, me. I go by the technical definition. So that's Joel. And that's fine. As long as we define how we're using the word. It's not only fine, it is correct. (laughs) It is correct. Okay. It's fine and correct. For me, when I use, when I use indie, it refers to a sound. And and more often than not, those sounds are correlated with bands that release their label, release their records independently. Mm -hmm. But I think for me... It is more of a indie is more of a somber sound, and it has more. Okay, sure. Are there upbeat indie bands? Yeah, for listeners, Joel gave me a very perplexed look. Okay, yeah, sure. I mean, just look at my entire catalog of music. It's upbeat indie bands. Okay, okay, that's fair. But, but I think that's that's what's interesting about indie music because literally three of the posters behind you are upbeat indie bands. But I don't really listen to upbeat indie. And so like <laughs> that doesn't mean they don't exist. That doesn't mean they don't exist, but for me, <laughs> indie music is generally more somber. Okay, sure. And more sad. Um slower. <laughs> and and so that's that's I think even the, just the conversation we're having, like indie music is your definition of it is gonna depend on the bands that you listen to. Sure. That are Okay. independent unless you have the correct definition which is unless you have the, the irrefutable technical definition which isn't fun but <laughs> okay fine well neither is sad music <laughs> but it, it's it's all in the ears of the listener what they enjoy listening okay, to sure. um but yeah so i think that's why i liked exile and i think you know taylor's done some good collaborations she's you know she's collaborated with john mayer before mm-hmm. did some stuff with ed sheeran mm-hmm. 
And so I think she she was already inclined to do that. And I think so I think this was a a good move, like having this sort of collaboration. Um I will say though, even though it sounds like an indie record, and it is it does have a lot of those somber, kind of sad components um that I really like. I mean, it really isn't an indie record. And Correct. we were even talking Correct. about... We'll, we'll agree on this point. It's not really an indie record. Yeah. Why do you think it's not an indie record? I mean, obviously, my my reason is obvious. <laughs> Why do you not think it's an indie record? Yeah, well, so it, it fits... It does fit the mood of a lot of indie records. Um, but honestly, I think it's... I think really for me why it's not is I don't think you can just decide, hey, I'm really famous. I'm going to go make an indie record. Yes, because it's technically impossible. <laughs> because it's technically impossible. But also I think I think it's a mindset too. Right. For it to like be truly indie. Um, and so I think it, it achieves a lot of the sound and it, it looks, you know, it passes a lot of the, lis- the listening tests. But just like at the end of the day, I don't consider it to be true indie music, not just for the technical reasons, but also for just the feel of it. Um, and also, you know, when you're such a big artist, it's hard to go back and, um, you know, decide that you want to become an indie artist. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you an example of what I think is maybe the paragon of what Taylor was perhaps trying to do. Okay. And that is Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Are you familiar? Not at all. So Fiona Apple has been big in the quote unquote indie scene for quite a number of years. That's definitely her genre. This is what she does. And earlier this year, she released an album called Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which which had a lot of attention. And I would say that I think you should take a listen, Ted, because I think this album is like the it's what Taylor was trying to do, essentially, perhaps. I mean, I I don't know for I don't know that for a fact, but it has those qualities that maybe you're looking for that folklore doesn't have, wherein it has that sense of authenticity that perhaps you're longing for. It has that sense of to put it bluntly, weirdness in that it is more experimental, both lyrically and instrumentally. Um, and it got a lot of attention. I mean, Fiona Apple's pretty famous and that album was received uh, with a lot. I mean, well, it was a pandemic, so people didn't have a lot going on. Yeah. But um, I think Fetch the Bolt Cutters is perhaps, I think if you listen to it, it's perhaps what you wish folklore was. But I could be wrong. Fiona Apple may weird you out too much. I don't know. We all have to give her a listen to. I think though, you know, something Julie just said, for me, I I want to after I listen to an album, I want I want my reaction to be, okay, I feel like I know that person. Mm. I know that singer or I know something about what they're thinking or what that band has experienced. I think I do want that more personal connection. Right. And we've talked about this. Like mm-hmm. my favorite podcasts are the podcasts where you just sit around and, right. you know, we do, you know, we just kind of make stuff up or the podcasts I listen to, or is it, it's people that just talk about their lives. Right. Repeatedly. And so I think that's what I, like, I want, I want more of that authentic self to come through. Do you think that it's difficult to for you to form a parasocial relationship with Taylor through her music because she's constantly trying to be someone different? Or maybe, maybe. I, you think it's it's maybe. her Taylor's self acknowledged yeah. difficulty to be authentic is perhaps the barrier that prevents you from connecting to her as a listener. Perhaps that, that that's that's probably there's probably something to that, mm-hmm. and yeah, just that she you know. You know, we as we read through Mirrorball, yeah, it sounds like she just feels a lot of maybe anguish mm-hmm. or anxiety about just like being her true self. And yeah. What will people think? How they respond? I want to talk about another angle of this. Yeah. And that's the title. So 
I've had conversations with people or I've seen things on social media where they see the title that it's called Folklore and they say, oh, Taylor finally released a folk record. I block that. I block that. It's not very Ted, how would you define folk? Yeah, I think I think with folk, I really view it primarily as uh, I view it as I view it in one sense to be telling a story. Um, you know, you're you're telling a series of uh, maybe a long story in an album, or a, you know, a series of vignettes mm-hmm. within within songs. Um, but I also, from an instrumentation perspective, I'm also looking for. You know, I'm looking for some, possibly some banjo. I'm looking for some like heavy strumming. I'm looking almost for like some early like country type rock sounds. Not quite rock though. Not not not, not, not rock and guitars. roll. Not right, rock and roll. Right, right. Okay, okay. But uh, yeah, not really anything plugged in. Which yeah. there was a lot of things that were plugged. I think in that's key to about folk this album. Is you can't have too much plugged in. Cause she had a lot of piano. Well, she had, she had a lot of synth. She had a lot of synth in it at times. And, you know, some other, um, you know, a lot of other like layers of plugged in things. And so, yeah, it, I think it's, I think the name could be folklore. Yes. Maybe after our, after our conversation, like why she chose it, because, you know, she is, I think attempting to, you know, let us, a little bit more into her world and so maybe the folklore of herself but it would be i think you know if it's an offense for me to call indie albums indie based on my subjective definition that that would be a misdemeanor this would be a felony <laughs> to call folklore folk album absolutely. and level of severity <laughs> absolutely see in contrast to indie which is a more nebulous term folk folk is clearly a genre um and Ted, you did describe it a bit artistically when you when you were talking about the narrative. Well, maybe that's just me. I'm, but that's true. I'm to describe. I'm not wanting to give the dictionary, which is <laughs> yeah, nothing plugged in. That would have been a yeah. better way to. No, that's that's not. I'm not claiming that that's the dictionary <laughs> definition. I think you're correct in that there is a narrative element to folk music, just from a historical and anthropological perspective. Um, but for me, the biggest deal breakers are the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to have acoustic instruments. Also, you gotta have drums. Yeah, like folklore didn't really have drums. Maybe that's why I didn't love the album and it put me to sleep. Because songs without drums generally put me to sleep. Yeah, that was that was I think a unique element that that took a few listens to realize. Oh, there's not the percussion thing is not just um, like almost non-existent. She could have hired me. I was available. Yeah, you were available. Yeah, she could have contributed you know, folklore with contributions from the national and yeah. the lonely wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, maybe, maybe we could say it's a pseudo folk folk album, but I don't, but I, I think for I Taylor, know if there's anything folky about it, you know, she, you know, it's one of those things where I think people just see the word, like you said, I mean, like, what oh, does folk, folk mean? Folk is the music of the people. Yeah. Music of the people. And so it was this album, the music of the people. Um, not really no i mean i mean the closest we can get to that is the trilogy right why because it takes place in high school and i think it captures that element that you were talking about which is the storytelling element and i think reflecting on ones not even ones actually here's the here's the key right the trilogy is not actually necessarily about taylor she does not there's no hard evidence that she's a character in that story she could be she could be, but no, evidence. but there's no hard evidence. And I think that's a key element of folk music is that when you in folk, when you tell a story, you're usually telling a story about someone else. Yeah. Maybe not usually, but it happens a lot. Um, quick example, Ophelia by the Lumineers. You're familiar. Right? Oh yeah. Great, great song telling a story about a cab driver that they met. And it's, it's her story is remarkable. And I mean, I mean, that's, that's like, a very common thing in folk telling a story about someone else. And so if that's what Taylor is doing through the trilogy. Okay. That's uh, it's, it's, you know, we're not it's, three, it's three sixteenths of a folk album. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Um, yeah. So Ted, I'm curious, what do you think Taylor has next? 
What I think she has next. I think she's going to collaborate with the national on their next album. So I think that's, I, so that's, so that's, I think, I think something that's coming down on the national Reddit. That's a conversation we've been having. So I think how we'll does, see how that. does the national fan base, the natty oh, heads, if you will, how do they feel about that? They loved it. Um, I'm probably in the minority of uh, people who just are like, ah, I like the sound, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not quite what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I had my expectations were through the roof and I think it just, there's just a little bit, there was a, there was still a letdown mm. I think. Cause it wasn't a total, it was a partial like evolution for right. her. And I right. just wanted more, Yeah, but I think for Taylor, you know, I'd welcome her to make another indie sounding, <laughs> you know, album, and to, yeah, just explore other things, uh, you know, maybe tell more, you know, use her superb storytelling abilities to, yeah, tell stories of of other people. But yeah, I, I think even just for, you know, indie music or indie sounding music, this was a huge win because I think it's going to bring it, you know, possibly just bring more people to this space, bring more people to... Um, yeah, just to listen to similar bands, but yeah, I, you know, if this is the direction that she's going to trend for a while, I think that's great and would welcome her to, you know, give it another shot. If she makes, if she's going to make an album, that's going to sound a lot like folklore. I can't wait for it to come out. Mm-hmm. What about you? Mm-hmm. What do you think is her? I think that Taylor is on a quest to dominate the genres, right? So she started in country. Mm-hmm. Then she transitioned to pop. Now she's transitioning to the quote unquote indie scene. I would love to hear a Taylor Swift rock album, like some Paramore energy. I know that is unlikely. That'd be fun. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. It'd be so I would like. Cool. I would take a break so maybe, from maybe, listening. Okay, maybe not. Paramore. I would take a break from listening to sad music to listening. <laughs> maybe not even Paramore. Maybe more of a Florence in the Machine vibe. Ooh, that yeah. could be good too. Yeah, that would be so mature. Like, I think I think Florence and the Machine is is what I want from her, right? Because she is she's that talent, and I think yeah, I think could be just like that. And I love some Florence. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I I think that's what that's what I wanted. Honestly, if mm. I'm being honest about what I really wanted, I wanted her to be like a Florence in the Machine. Yeah. But, you know, it was her first attempt, and so I'm sure she'll learn and get good feedback from people. And if she's, you know, made these connections in the alternative um, and indie camp, then, yeah, I'm hopefully they'll keep influencing her sound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Ted and I talk a lot about an album that – uh, we've listened to it a few times, but we definitely don't actually understand. Yeah, that's, I think what I'm, that's the conclusion I think I'm coming to because I felt like pretty confident. Like, oh yeah, I know the song. I'm like, well, actually, I don't know. So maybe I should, maybe <laughs> yeah. I should go back and... Ted, why do we do this? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, it's happening. So yeah. listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, give us your feedback on if we should do more episodes like this with musical analysis. Uh, tell us if you would like us to be more prepared or perhaps less prepared for this type of episode. Um, give us your thoughts, comments, ratings, reviews, five star reviews. You know, you know, Ted, I want to push back on that. Why? I think if people think that our show deserves one star, God forbid that we should give them the freedom of speech to be able to do that. No, I'm not interested in that. (laughs) (laughs) I only want your, I only want your feedback. If it's a five, if you, if you want to be critical, be critical, but just give us a scathing five star review. Just hit that five stars after you've typed out your scathing. Why is that even criticism. necessary? I don't even understand why this is something you want. Because it's gonna it's gonna be easier to find our show, like on Spotify and iTunes. That stuff helps. Yeah, that's true. If we want to become famous, yeah. well, anyway, if you want to become famous, I do want to become famous. I really do. Uh, I don't know for what though. Maybe for hosting a podcast. I missed my chance to be a drummer in Taylor Swift's backup band. Yeah, yeah. Unless she does go in the direction that I want her to go. And in in that case, Taylor, I'm available. Yeah, he's available. Well, listeners, I it's been a while since we've done oh. a, a sign off. Oh, before you get to that, before okay. you get to that. Okay. 
What's the intersection today, Ted? What's the intersection? Um, the intersection for today is people who think they know a lot of stuff, but then they realize they don't know a lot of stuff <laughs> about Taylor Swift's album. <laughs> that is the intersection. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, uh, I was going to say like Taylor or like, you know, pop music and indie oh. music okay <laughs> and that too <laughs> trying to be both of those things at the trying same time which is a lit- literal impossibility because pop is popular music and indies independent music but here we are at the intersection taylor swift yeah. anyway ted sign us off yeah well joel it's been fun and until next time person woman man camera tv